Don't we appreciate these folks? Don't we? We love you guys. Love you, brother. You all right? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. How you doing? Ladies, you can stay. They can go. I know you do. You have other you have other duties. Bless you. Good to see all of you. Isaiah 40. Uh, Scott, that seemed a little scary to me. There you go. Thank you. Isaiah 40 is where we are tonight. Good to see all of you tonight uh, on this summer evening in uh, November. What a wonderful time it is to be in Florida. Where, where, where are we? What's happened? I don't know. <clears throat> well, some of you have been gone a few weeks. I know who's in here. I, I don't take role, but I know who comes to this Wednesday night. You, you're here and you think, well, I'm ready to go back and see what Brother Mike's doing. Well, he's still in Isaiah 40. Here we are. We haven't gone very far. But uh, I'm glad we're here tonight. And I hope you picked up the outline. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, our dear brothers and sisters helped us tonight <clears throat> to reset our minds and remember the song of heaven is holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was, who is, who is to come. All that matters is for us to understand how to have a clear understanding of who you are in all the circumstances of life. Tonight we have a chance to see that so clear in Isaiah. Help me to be able to explain this, these wonderful truths from this, this chapter. Isaiah is preaching. He's preaching, but the Holy Spirit is preaching. And so tonight, for all my brothers and sisters who are here, may this be for good for them uh, for all the days of their life. May they be encouraged. May we be challenged. Take your word and match it up for us. We pray for Brother Tim and all the students outside. and He's preaching the gospel and students are here from all the high schools and junior highs and homeschoolers and how we're praying for young people to be saved and for our people in Cuba tonight. Bless them, protect them, work through them. We pray for all of our children's ministry going on tonight, all of our other teachers who teach God's Word uh, to people, and then, of course, all of our wonderful people in the choir and orchestra. We, we thank you for all the blessings you've given to us as a church. And we're grateful, and we pray that you might be pleased in what we're doing. Show us if we need to do something different. You are the head of the church, Lord Jesus. We honor you. And by the help of the Holy Spirit, we want to live for you in this world. We pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And we pray, Lord, that you would help us to be prepared and ready and watching, waiting for your return. So bless us now as we look at your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, we'll pick up in verse number 9. Verse number 9. Get yourself, again, where Isaiah is preaching. Uh, and he's preaching now and calling Jerusalem. This is, a, this is preaching for the future before it happens. Now, these words are words spoken before they happened to Israel. And these words have to do with Jerusalem and the Jewish people 
in the future, even beyond our time, the future. Get yourself up on a high mountain, O Zion, bearer of good news, lift up your voice mightily, O Jerusalem, bearer of good news, lift it up, do not fear. Say to the cities of Judah, here it is, here's the sermon, here is your God. Here is your God. Now, he begins to describe, here is your God. Jerusalem now, she begins to preach. Behold, the Lord God will come with might, with His own ruling, with His arm ruling for Him. Behold, His reward is with Him and His recompense before Him. Like a shepherd, He will tend His flock. In His arm, He will, in his arm, he will gather the lambs, carry them in His bosom, and He will gently lead the nursing ewes. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of His hand and marked off the heavens by the span, and calculated the dust of the earth by the measure, and weighed the mountains in a balance, and the hills in a pair of scales. Who has directed the Spirit of the Lord, or who, or as His counselor, has informed Him? With whom did He consult, and who gave Him understanding? And who taught Him in the path of justice, and taught Him knowledge, and informed Him of the way of understanding? Behold, the nations are like a drop from a bucket and are regarded as a speck of dust on the scales. Behold, He lifts up the islands like fine dust. Even Lebanon is not enough to burn, nor its beasts enough for a burnt offering. All the nations are as nothing before Him. They are regarded by Him as less than nothing and meaningless. To whom then will you liken God? Or what likeness <clears throat> will you compare with Him? As for the idol, a craftsman casts it, a goldsmith plates it with gold, and a silversmith fashions chains of silver. He who is too impoverished for such an offering selects a tree that does not rot. He seeks out for himself a skillful craftsman to prepare an idol that will not totter. Do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been declared to you from the beginning? Have you not have you not understood from the foundation of the earth? It is He who sits above the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them out like a tent to dwell in. He it is who reduces rulers to nothing, who makes the judges of the earth meaningless. Scarcely have they been planted, scarcely have they been sown, scarcely have, has their stock taken root in the earth, but He merely blows on them, and they wither, and the storm carries them away like stubble. To whom then will you liken me, that I would be His equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes on high, and see who has created these stars, the One who leads forth their hosts by number. He calls them by name, because of the greatness of His power, of His might, and the strength of His power, not one of them is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and assert, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and the justice due me escapes the notice of my God. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, <clears throat> the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired. His understanding is inscrutable. <coughs> Excuse me. He gives strength to the weary, and to him who lacks might, he increases power. Though youths grow weary and tired, and vigorous young men stumble 
badly, yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired, and they will walk and not become weary. Now, Heavenly Father, bless the reading of Your Word. May the Holy Spirit be our teacher. So, God calls forgiven Jerusalem, the forgiven Jews, the remnant, those who will be saved in the future, to preach the good news of God's glory in Jesus Christ to the cities of Judah. Now, I want to remind you of something that we said last week, and it's, it's, a, it's very important that I'm trying to lay these things together for us, and I wish I'd printed them uh, for you on the sheet, but nevertheless, Isaiah, beginning in chapter 40 all the way through 66, is talking about future things, future things, things that have not yet happened to Israel. So these words are first to Israel. We read them and we love them and we sometimes gain promises from them. But first of all, these words were preached to Jerusalem, to Israel, uh, in their condition. They were in a wonderful place during these days, historically. Isaiah is living here in this time with Hezekiah. I've read it to you numerous times in chapter 39. But the fact is that at the end of Isaiah 39, Isaiah reminds Hezekiah that the, that the children of Israel are going to be taken captive to Babylon. And it happened uh, some 100 years later. So history, this is a historic fact that uh, the Jews were taken uh, to Babylon. And we have much of the Old Testament that focuses on this. They were taken away into captivity. Now here's the amazing thing. God's Word, and let me try to say this, God's Word... Why is, why is it important for us to read God's Word? It's the same for us as it was for Israel. God's Word speaks to us before all of the future things that happen in our life. God's Word, you see, the Word of God prepares you for what you don't even know is going to happen. Israel was, you know, Hezekiah is happy to show the Babylonian king's representatives everything. He showed them all of his, war, his weapons. He showed them all the riches. And Isaiah says, Behold, verse 6 of 39, The days are coming when you and all your house, uh, you will be carried to Babylon, and nothing will be left. So Isaiah makes a, pr a prediction of the future. Now listen, you and I don't know what is going to happen even the rest of this evening. We have no idea. We, we think we do. And we try to make plans accordingly. We make our plans, but God establishes our steps. We learn that in the book of Proverbs as we studied it for forever. So here's my point. Why do I read the Word of God? Because I need to read the Word of God to be prepared for what I don't know is coming in my future. Uh, you know, I've been walking here with these people in this church for a long time, Pat and I have. We've had all kinds of experiences together, good and bad. We had no idea what would happen. We had no idea COVID would come. We had no idea how we would have to deal with it. We had no idea. How do you prepare for the future? You trust and read the Word of God. Secondly, secondly, God's Word helps you when you're in your future situation. Now here's the point. This is the amazing thing. Isaiah is preaching these words about uh, the Jewish people 
when they're in captivity, these are words for them to be encouraged when they're in their worst moment. This is the amazing thing about God's Word. This is, this is uh, supernatural. The Word of God speaks of things that are yet to come. We live in the middle. Not everything's done, my friends. There are things yet to come in the future. So we, we realize that humans change. How did we learn that? All right, let's go back. This is a review. What did the voice say? We said last week the Holy Spirit is speaking through the Word of God and especially here through the prophet Isaiah. Notice in verse 6, all flesh is grass. What have we learned about humans? What have we learned about humans? Well, we've been learning about it on Sunday morning about remember your Creator in Genesis, but now here we are. Well, all flesh is grass. Uh, the people are grass, verse 7. We are like grass. All the grass has turned yellow, hasn't it? It's faded and withered away. So human beings, we wither and we fade. Now go to the end of your uh, chapter. What else do we see about humans? In verse number, let's just pick uh, verse number 29. He gives strength to the weary. All humans are weary. You may be weary tonight. You may be tired. It may be physically tired. It may be emotionally tired. He gives strength to the weary. And notice in verse 29, And to him who lacks might, he increases their power. Youths grow weary and tired, and vigorous young men stumble badly. <clears throat> My son's 40... Well, how old is he? 44. 44. It's wonderful to me. So sometimes I go help him and we do things outside. I love it when that old man, that 44 old man says, I'm really tired. I said, that's great. I've beat him today. The 67 year olds beat the 44 year old. Uh, there you are. You're tired. Oh, how sad. I'm really sad for you that you're tired. But even young people get tired. Every human being gets tired. All of you in this room get tired. It's our condition. Humans change, but God doesn't change. Human conditions change. Look, some of you, you know, I, I tell Pat, sometimes we think back on some of the things in our life and, and uh, are grateful for all that God has brought us through. But, you know, have you ever said it to your loved one or to your family? It seems like that was another lifetime. Some of you have probably said that. Some of you who are older and you're, some of you are too young. You don't even know what I'm talking about. It seems like that was another lifetime, we say. Yeah. You've been up. You've been down. You've been in the middle. You've been in the hard. You've been weary. You've been tired. You've been powerfully and strong and energetic. You've been in all these places. The only, and here's the point. Here's the point. I'm going to go back now to verse 8. 7 says, Surely the people are grass, the grass withers, verse 8, the flower fades. Humans wither and they fade, but the Word of God stands forever. Amen. That's why we read the Bible. That's why we preach the Bible. That's why we study the Bible. That's why we spend all this time at the church trying to help our people learn as disciples of Jesus how to open their Bible, read it, understand it, and listen, live on it, eat it. Eating God's Word. We eat this. We devour it. We live on it so that we might know our days. 
So I'm reading my Bible in the mornings and at night when I go to bed, in my own personal time, preparing, God is preparing me for what I don't know will come tomorrow. And it's the same for you. You don't know what will come tomorrow. So now, he, now Isaiah goes far into the future, beyond Babylonian captivity. They were in Babylon, they returned. Ezra and Nehemiah, they came back, they rebuilt the city. It was, in, it was devastated. When the Lord Jesus was crucified in 70 A.D., it's a historic fact, the Romans completely destroyed Jerusalem, obliterated it. Go read about it. Google it. It was an absolute, they destroyed the city of Jerusalem. They destroyed Judah. Uh, it was gone. The Romans, powerful, powerful military. They destroyed, and the Jews scattered again uh, all to Europe and all the places they were. Then we've talked about this. They started returning in 1947. They came back, and then Israel became a, a nation state again because God has plans for Israel. God has plans. For, he has made promises. This is so important in the days in which we live. It's a wonderful time for people in the church to be reminded that the church isn't Israel. Israel isn't the church. Israel is God's people with promises. And in this middle time when we live by grace, Jews and Gentiles are saved alike by Jesus Christ. And one day when Jesus comes again during the tribulation time and trouble, there will be many Jews who will turn to the Lord Jesus and be saved. They will find their Messiah, the Lord Jesus. But now, here is Jerusalem the preacher of good news. Isaiah uses a city to describe the people. The people are the bearers of good news. Look at verse 9. The bearer of good news. You know, when you get right with God, you have something good to say to somebody else. This is the story of what happens to Israel, to Jewish people who come to know their Messiah, they begin to preach wonderful things. And here's the thing I want us to think about. As I said, humans change, God never changes. Humans change and human conditions never change, but the Word of God does not change. So here's the point. Here's the one-point sermon of Jerusalem in verse 9. Here is your God. And then we see these eight different ways that Jerusalem preaches about who God is. So let's go through it together. First of all, here is your God. He's coming in judgment and mercy. So there is a, here is a prophecy. Uh, Brother Bill was asking me the other day, so how do you see between the first coming of Jesus and the second coming of Jesus? Well, again, there are certain words that are very important that we find. Behold the Lord God will come. There's a promise of coming. He will come with might, with His arm ruling for Him. Well, we know that wasn't the first coming of the Lord Jesus. He came, he came and humbled Himself and died on a cross. The second coming is not one of humility. The second coming of Jesus is one to rule. So this is a picture of the coming of the Lord, by the way, that has not yet occurred. That we're waiting. We're here in the middle time. The time of grace. 
So here, here is your God. Behold, the Lord God will come with might, His arm ruling for Him. Behold, His reward is with Him and His recompense before Him. And I've given you some of the detail there. Jesus will come to the earth with might and He will come to the earth and rule as King in Jerusalem. Jesus will come to the earth. And I'm not going through all the Bible verses about this tonight. I'm just giving you some detail here about what we believe and preach. Jesus will come to the earth and reward those who obey Him. And Jesus will come to the earth and He will care for His people like a shepherd. He will gather all of these people back together like a shepherd. He'll tend His flock in His arm. He will gather the lambs and carry them in His bosom. He will gently lead the nursing ewes. Again, you know that Isaiah is preaching using these metaphors, these pictures, to describe the awesome power of God through the Lord Jesus Christ to reign, but also His care and love as the shepherd of His sheep. But then he begins to ask like a preacher does. He asks questions. Most of you remember from uh, grammar school, from, from English class, a rhetorical question. A rhetorical question is asked when you preach and sometimes speak, which the answer is obvious. When you ask it a rhetorical question, uh, you know, you, you, you're asking something that the answer is already known. We use rhetorical questions with our children. Uh, do you not know that I love you? You know, Surely you understand that I love you. You know, there are all kinds of ways we use rhetorical questions, but in preaching, the prophets did it. And you're, you, I, in fact, I listed them all for you on the uh, last section of this uh, outline, things to remember. But let's just go through them here and notice. Who is your God? Here is your God. Who has measured? What is He first? He's the creator of all things. Jerusalem is preaching good news, and I'm reminding our church these days, as I remind you tonight, that we have a Creator. We're not those who live in the darkness of atheistic evolution, who somehow have these bizarre, strange ideas that there is no God, all of this somehow just uh, uh, by happenstance and strange uh, circumstance uh, came into being, and and uh, all of these things and the structures and orders of things just some way mysteriously came together. Uh, it takes a lot to believe those kinds of things. Who had, we, we believe Genesis 1 uh, to be historic, that the Lord Jesus was the creator of all things and He did it in six days. Only God can create things in six days. He could have created it all in an instant without any days, but He did it in order. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of His hand? Okay, the waters. Marked off the heavens by the span. You know span, don't you? You all know span. Span is your thumb to your index finger. This is a span in the old ancient world when you measured. They didn't have a ruler, they did a span. Here's a span. You know, how many spans is it? Well, you know, you'd count it. You'd count the span. There you go. Alright, I'm about five spans on this, you know. Here we are. Notice, it's not spans. He marked off the heavens by the span. He calculated the dust of the earth by the measure and weighed the mountains in a balance and the hills in a pair of scales. You see, the Lord Jesus Christ measures the waters, marks off the heavens, calculates and knows the measure of the dust on the earth and weighs the mountains and hills in a scale. Here is your God. 
What is it that you face tonight in your life? What, what circumstance could I ever face that would be greater than this God who is the Creator of all things, including you and me? He is the Creator of all things. Notice, here is your God. He is all-knowing. Notice he goes on. Who has directed the Spirit of the Lord? Or who has, uh, who has or, or as His counselor, <clears throat> who has informed Him? Notice these questions. He is the God who knows all things. And I've given you two verses from the New Testament where these words are, were, were, uh, are read, are, are being used by Paul also. Oh, the depths, when he's been talking in Romans 11 about how Israel will be saved. We read it last week. After the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled, Israel will be saved. And then he says, oh, the this is Paul. Oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are His judgments and unfathomable His ways. Now pause, folks. This is our God. What am I going through in my life? that this God doesn't know, doesn't understand. This is now given to, this is given to a group of people who are living in riches <clears throat> with a good godly king in Israel, in Jerusalem, and yet a dark day is coming, Babylonian captivity, and the judgment of God is coming upon Israel because of their disobedience. And now, now who has counseled the Lord? Who needs counsel? Well, the riches of God's knowledge and wisdom, His unsearchable judgments, His unfathomable ways, who has known the mind of the Lord who become His counselor. You see, Paul pulls that question out from here in Isaiah 40. And then also he does it in 1 Corinthians 2 when he's talking about the difference between natural people and spiritual people. Uh, and we, we won't have time to look at that tonight, but the natural person does not receive the things of God. They don't receive spiritual things. They're not interested in the Bible. They're not interested in spiritual truth. They're not interested in who God is. They're natural. They're born into this world and they live by their, their natural instincts and their own lusts and their own drives and their own passions. and they're, that they're natural. But the spiritual person is a person who becomes a Christian, who's saved. And when we're spiritual, we begin to evaluate and hear God's Word and it starts to make sense and we understand it, and we gain truth from it. And because of that, the Holy Spirit comes to be inside of us, my dear friends. I don't understand how it works, but when, we, when we're saved, when I was saved even as a nine-year-old boy, the Holy Spirit came to dwell inside of me, and I had the mind of Christ. I had the ability to all of a sudden understand spiritual things that I did not understand before. This is what's happened to you if you're a follower of Jesus. So, for who has known the mind of the Lord that He would instruct him? Isaiah 40. We have the mind of Christ. We all together share an understanding of truth because we have been given the Holy Spirit. And we know the mind of Christ. <coughs> so, here is your God. He is creator of all things. Here is your God. He knows everything. When you pray... You pray to the God who knows everything that's going to happen in your life. When you pray, you pray to the one who knows your birthday and your death day. When you pray, when you pray, He knows how to take the bad things of your life as you love Him and bring them for good. 
and most of us in this room have lived long enough to see bad things that God took and did good with them. This is what it's all about. This is why we don't have to worry. This is why we don't have to live in fear. Because here is our God. He creates all things. He knows all things. Now number four, here's your God. He's greater than all things and all nations. Now one day, let me just read it to you. I won't uh, <coughs> have you go there. Well, just if you can, uh, quickly, fast fingers if you want to. Keep your place in Isaiah 40 and go over to Psalm 137. <clears throat> He's greater than all things and all nations. You see, Israel didn't really uh, appreciate the power of Babylon. They were the world nation. They were, they were like America in the modern world. The most powerful nation in the world. Babylon during these days was emerging as the great power. Notice here's the great Psalm 137. I'll only read the beginning of it. By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down and wept. There's where the children of Israel ended up. By the rivers of Babylon. Not by the rivers in Jerusalem. Not by the river, rivers in Israel, in Judah. We sat down and wept when we remembered Zion. That's another word for Jerusalem. When we remembered Jerusalem. Upon the willows in the midst of it we hung our harps. For there our captors demanded of us, of, of us songs and our tormentors mirth, saying, Sing us one of the songs of Zion. Sing us a psalm. Sing us a song. The torturers, the, the captors, the Babylonians mocked the Jews there in Babylonian captivity and said, Sing us one of your songs. You see, here's what we remember tonight. That we don't know what's going to happen in the future, but God is greater than all things and all nations. And here we see it. Uh, With whom did you consult or give understanding? Who taught him in the path of justice? And behold, verse 15, the nations are as like a drop in a bucket. Nations, all the nations, including the United States of America. Sometimes I hear preachers preach and some of, they have an idea that the United States of America isn't under any accountability to God the way they preach it. I don't know what God really has left to do with our country. You know, so, so we have these uh, people saying, well, the great issue of the election will be over abortion. The great issue of the election will be over abortion. And we have these people who worry about and it's sad. Children's in har- children in harm's way in warfare everywhere in the world. And we have people who want to make sure that unborn children can be murdered in the womb. What do you do with a country like that? Amen. I'm just asking. Behold, the nations are like a drop from a bucket, and they are regarded, listen, as a speck of dust. All the nations. Behold, He lifts up the islands like fine dust. Even Lebanon is not enough to burn. I must refer, some of you may not be familiar. Lebanon was a a part of 
of um, Israel that was filled with beautiful trees. It was the place where all of, it was massive forests. It's so different now in the modern day, but Lebanon was a place of massive forests. And they were used for building and for all other things. And so not even Lebanon will have enough trees to burn, nor the beasts enough for burnt offering. All the nations are as nothing before Him. They are regarded by Him as less than nothing and meaningless. Here's the point Isaiah is making. It doesn't matter what nation God uses to judge Israel or to discipline Israel or what He does. God is greater than all the nations. God is greater than the United Nations. God is greater than China. God, in fact, He considers all the nations as nothing. That's the power and awesomeness of God. That's the God we serve. And I gave you some things here. For the kingdom is the Lord's and He rules over the nations. The Lord nullifies the counsels for the nations. He frustrates the plans of the people. Oh, everyone listens to the news. Well, this nation's going to do this. Well, this nation's going to do that. No, I'll tell you what we're going to read next time. Uh, we're, going to, we're going to see how God uses nations to accomplish His purposes. In Isaiah 41, verse 2, it says, Who has aroused one from the east? Who has aroused one from the east? He's going to begin to talk about this nation that's coming to judge Israel. You know, God, God controls all activity and all the work of the nations of the world. They can make their plans, but hear what the Word of God says. Psalm 33, the Lord nullifies the counsel of the nations. Everything is in God's hands. I'm saying all this, this is the way we must live as followers of Jesus. We're informed by the Word of God that we are, we are following the Lord Jesus and we are believing that God's plan for the nations will be completed. He will judge the, among the nations. He will fill them with corpses. He will shatter the chief men over a broad country. That's Psalm 110, by the way. Psalm 110, that's under your point number 4C. Psalm 110 is called a messianic psalm. It's a psalm about Jesus. This is the portion of that psalm talking about when He comes back. You do know when you read Revelation that the nations, all the nations, including this one, if it's still America at that time, whatever it is, all the nations will gather to fight against Jesus when He comes again. You do know that. There's not like a nation on, God, on the Lord Jesus' side. That's why we begin the Psalms with Psalm, Psalm 2, which was the first prayer of the early church. When they, remember when Peter and, James, Peter and John came back from being beaten and were told not to speak in the name of Jesus? And what did they pray? Why do the nations rage? You see, the nations are rising up against God and they will be judged. Here is your God. He's in, he's, you can't compare anything to Him. Verse number 18. To whom then will you liken God? What likeness will you compare Him? And then he goes through the speaking about the, the idol. And so we read, Who is like you among the gods, O Lord? 
Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in praises, working wonders? Have you ever been anywhere in the world where, where they, they actually have idols? Um, and you think about how man from his earliest of times created in the image of God, there is a desire to know God. You, 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 those of you who studied your history, you see, you see Egypt and all the things that are in the, the pyramids left with the emperors and the rulers and the rich. All of those things, all of the various forms of idolatry that have taken place. Nothing compares to God. Nothing in the created order. And what does man do now? He worships and serves the creature, not the Creator. It's still going on all around us, all over this part of the United States, here in Dixon. People worshiping and serving the creature, not the Creator. He is the God. Here is your God. He, is, his, he gloriously rules over all things. Look at verse 21. It is He who reduces rulers to nothing, who makes the judges of the earth meaningless. Now this is a strange little phrase here in verse 24, but it means scarcely, hardly. Hardly have they been planted. Hardly, in other words, they're just getting started. Scarcely have they been planted. Scarcely have they been sown. Scarcely has their, their stock taken root on the earth, but He merely blows on them and they wither and the storm carries them away like stubble. When you listen to the news, remember God is at work through what you hear on the news if you can figure out what's real and not real on the news. It is He who sits enthroned above the circle of the earth. He rules over all things, verse 22. It is He who sits above, and all the inhabitants are like grasshoppers, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain, and spreads them out like a tent to dwell in. It is He who reduces the rulers, as we've read. To whom then will you liken me that I would be... That I, that I would be His equal. Lift up your eyes. Look at the stars. Verse 26. And then He comes to these words. <clears throat> this is amazing. He's saying these words before Israel says them. These are the words that they will say when they're in Babylonian captivity, when they're in a sad place. Why do you say, O Jacob, and assert, O Israel? He's speaking now to the nation the Jewish people who are in Babylon. They're, here's what they're saying. My way is hidden from the Lord and the justice due me escapes the notice of my God. Where's God in my trouble? Jacob's saying, where's God? Why do you say? Why do I? Now, now let's take that and move it to our place. You're sitting in a place, in a hard place in your life and think, going through an unimaginable circumstance. And you say to yourself, where's God? You say to yourself, God doesn't care. He doesn't hear me. I'm hidden from Him. Where's God? The answer is, He's there. Here is your God. Listen, follow it. Verse 28, do you not know? Second time he says this. Do you not know? Have you not heard? Now here's the great promise. The everlasting God, that is the eternal God, the God who is everlasting, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired. His understanding is inscrutable. Look, whatever you are facing in your life today, remember this, 
You have a God who knows what you're going through. And here's His great promise. He gives strength to the weary. See, He's saying it to Israel before they're going to need it. They're not weary yet. They're having a great time. Everything's good. They have riches. They don't need God. But the day will come when they sit in Babylon with nothing. And here the Lord says, you're going to need strength. You're going to need strength. And so what does He say? You see it at the end. Yet those, it's a famous verse, isn't it? We sing songs with this in it. This was first spoken to Israel. We, we do appreciate it as Christians because it's true for us also. Those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. Here's one of the times when, you remember I've been teaching you folks about the Targums. You know, you know something that, you know, remember that, that paraphrase, uh, Aramaic paraphrase of the Old Testament. Actually, this is where the, the paraphrase helps us because it's, we always wonder about this phrase, they will mount up with the wings like eagles. I think that this other translation helps us. It is the idea that like eagles grow new plumes. That's what it is. That's what mounting up with wings, it's like eagles that grow new plumes. So what is there? There's flying, there's running, and there's walking. Flying, running, and walking when we've been exhausted and tired and lost our way. So what do I say to all of you tonight? As I remind myself, I've given it to you at the end of the uh, paper there. We'll just read 2 Corinthians 4. Therefore, do not lose heart. Can I say that to all of my friends here? Don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. But through, though our out, outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. Now this is a description of a Christian. This isn't true for people who are not saved. They're decaying and they're... They're getting more miserable every day. They're in their lostness of their sin. They're, they're unfulfilled. They're not satisfied. They can't find any hope. There's no joy even in their circumstances when they're great. For our momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen. See, if you keep looking around at the world, you're not looking at the right things. We read God's Word so that we can think about heaven. The unseen world. We think about eternity. We think beyond time and space. While we do not look at the things which are seen. Look, if you're a believer here tonight and you're looking at the things that are seen, you're going, you're going to be afraid. You're going to be discouraged. You're going to be in despair. There's nothing, there's nothing encouraging that's going to come from looking at the things you can see. But, notice... While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. The present things which are seen are temporal. You're looking at me, I'm temporal. I'm looking at you, you're temporal. We're not going to be here. Someone else, if the Lord Jesus tarries, will take our place. We'll sit in our seat, we'll preach from the pulpits. But the things which are not seen are eternal. So we fix our eyes on Jesus. Here is our God. We fix our eyes on Jesus and we wait for Jesus to come again. I am one of those who I seek to live my life 
as one who genuinely believes and practices the fact that the Lord Jesus is coming quickly. And I hope you are one of those too. That means you choose on what you spend your time on, your money and all of your time on. What do you spend your time on? You know, I was with some people the other day and everything was about here. Everything was about here. And then I was with another person who was talking about how he and his wife had planned some things and guess what? She's not here anymore. They had it all planned out. Now she's not here anymore. Humans change. God never changes through the Lord Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Human conditions change, but God's Word never changes. You want to know how to deal with your future? Read the Word of God and let the Holy Spirit encourage you. Amen. 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 Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Word. Bless my brothers and sisters tonight in all of their endeavors and all the trials and troubles. Now we say, here is our God. We love You, Lord Jesus. We follow You. And we pray, come quickly. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Bless you all. God bless you. Have a good week. See you Sunday and say hello to somebody on your way out if you don't know them. <coughs> hey, we're in the light in here. You can see each other. Blessings. Have a good week. <coughs>